Welcome to Le Rendez-vous. My name is Garance Doré and I'm a writer with so many stories to tell and ideas to share that I created this special moment to talk about all the things that are going on in our lives. So come, let's spend a moment together. Le Rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré, the skincare line I co-created, wanting to bring more simplicity and efficacy to our lives. Check out the end of the episode for a special code just for you, the Rendezvous listeners. Yesterday, I thought I had a genius idea for a new episode of Le Rendezvous. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about all these things that I sort of lied to myself about when I was in fashion. So I started coming up with a list, things like pretending that I was really comfortable taking photos in 12 centimeter high heels, acting like I completely understood comme de garçon, all these type of things that really made me laugh. For those of you who are new here and who don't know me, I used to be a quite famous fashion blogger. I was a street style photographer. I was sitting at the front row of fashion shows and I was friends with the most famous designers and I had this kind of incredibly glamorous life until I realized I wasn't happy at all in this world and I decided to leave it. And so I texted my sister and I asked, hey, do you remember a few things from this time? Things that I was trying to convince myself about, things that I was bullshitting myself a little bit about. And so we started laughing and she reminded me of a day when it was full on winter and she was in Paris with all her family and they were all snuggled up in giant coats and puffers. And I had arrived wearing silk pajamas and extremely high heels. And she had asked me, but aren't you freezing like that? Aren't your feet going to break like cubes of ice? And I had been like, no, not at all. I'm completely comfortable. And yes, in some ways that was me during my fashion week days. I was really trying to fit in so much, even if it meant sometimes lying to myself just a little bit. But the funny thing is that as we were reminiscing of all these times and I was laughing at myself and she was reminding me of a few funny things, like the time that I got her to come with me at a fashion show and I thought that it would be the best present she'd ever gotten in her life. And she came out and she was like, what the hell was that? It was so ugly. And I got so mad at her because in one little sentence, she was basically destroying my whole world. And as we were laughing about it, and you know, my sister is somebody who loves fashion and she loved these days. And we were talking about that. She was like, wow, this was such a great time. It was so exciting. Do you remember just how into it we were? It was quite cool. And by the way, she said, that day where you were freezing your ass off in the streets of Paris, you looked amazing. Then, of course, I texted Scott, the sartorialist, because we lived these days of Fashion Week really close together. And I was like, hey, do you remember some of the bullshit that I was telling myself in these days? And I've always loved Scott's approach to things. People don't really know that side about him, but he's very measured and he has a real vision of things. And he told me very wisely, he was like, you know, since you've left fashion, 
You often criticize what it was, but please remember how wonderful those days were. Don't just dwell on the negative. Remember all the positive. And if you want, I'll come on your podcast and I'll talk with you of all those positive things and all the great things you did and how great you looked. And it got me thinking for the whole evening. And I told myself, they're right. It's time for me to talk about all the things that I loved about my days in fashion. Just before I start, I thought I should describe the scene of the moment. It's so the opposite of my old life. I am sitting here in London. It's so foggy, I can't even really see through the window. I have a coffee on my right side. I'm wearing a wool hat. I have my reading glasses at the tip of my nose and I'm wearing wonderful sweatpants and the most comfortable slippers I've ever had. And I think I look chicer than I've ever looked before. <laughs> okay, so they're right. When I look back at it, the only thing I can remember are the difficult things, whether it was the front row politics, because that really was a thing I didn't know it would be, but once you get invited to sit front row at shows and people make a big thing of it, I remember that one day Dolce & Gabbana sat four fashion bloggers at the front row and I was part of them and it made the round of the news for days and we were interviewed about it and it was such a big deal. Being in front row is suddenly comfortable because you can see the show better, but it is most important because it is a show of the hierarchy of the fashion industry, right? So you'll have the most important editors sitting front row, all the celebrities, obviously, because they get their photo taken. All the most important people are sitting front row. And these seats are very expensive, not in a way that you pay for them, because, of course, being invited to fashion show, it's still free, but in a way that they're rare, and everybody wants them, and people will fight for them. The problem is that if you've been very visibly invited to a few of these front seats, anytime you'll be demoted, it will show that you're losing importance in the fashion industry, which is why people who have been seated in the front row can't stand being seated in the second row, because it might actually impact their career and impact the way people look at them. And so it creates this intense sense of stress. And I was no stranger to that. And that's one of the things that probably I ended up hating the most. The other thing I remember that was very overwhelming for me was that I was so projected into this world from being a complete outsider to being a fixture of the fashion shows. Whether I had chosen it or not is another question, but I certainly embraced it and said yes to all of it, is all the politics that I had to learn in record time. And it was so hard. Not only didn't I have the codes of fashion, what I was just telling you about front rows, about important editors versus less important editors, about hierarchy, about all of these things. I also didn't know much about the rules of society. 
I came from a small island. My parents were immigrants. We were still struggling to achieve some sort of social status. And suddenly there I was lost in a world where etiquette is super important, where people know their place, where some codes of behavior are understood. And I had not a clue of any of them. And I remember that this made me feel often humiliated, feeling less than. And of course, I've always been somebody who likes to challenge herself. So I would learn and move on from my shame, learn and grow all the time. And it was grueling and quite exhausting. I remember, for example, one day I was spending the day with Karin Rothfeld, who used to be the editor-in-chief of French Vogue and probably one of the most important faces of Fashion Week at that time. And I was so excited because I was spending the day with her. And her chauffeur was waiting for us at the end of her show. And I, thinking I was being really chic, opened the door to her and basically asked her to scoot so that I would come right after her, which is a huge mistake. What I should have done is open the door to her or not open the door and just go around the car so that she wouldn't have to scoot with her dress and her heels and all the rest of it. And I remember she made a remark about it. And since then, it's something that I've never forgotten because I've always attached so much importance to elegance, to manners, and to be put in front of things that I just simply didn't know made me feel really terrible. And so those are things that I remember that really burned me and that ugh, to this day, when I see people doing that, that I know enough, I tell them about it because I don't want them ever to find themselves in these situations when they make all these small mistakes that betray where they come from. And in another podcast, I'll tell you about this, about why I think it's important to have social fluidity We'll talk about that another time. There was also obviously all the discomfort. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, come on. She just said that she would talk about all the things that she loved about fashion. And here she is talking to us about all the negative things. But hold on. I just need to give you a tiny bit of background just so that you understand why I left. So to finish about the slightly bad taste in my mouth, there was all that discomfort that I felt in not fitting in. Whether it was as a blogger, because for a long time we had been truly looked down on. As kind of low-level journalists. We didn't have brands lending us all these clothes, so we just did what we could to get to fashion week dressed reasonably nicely. We didn't have access to a lot of things, and so there was this sense of being less than and talked down on. I mean, who was it? Anna Wintour, who said she would never want to learn how to pronounce the word blog because it was so ugly. I can't remember exactly, but there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, oh, who are these people? We don't need them. We're industry people. We're professionals. And look at these newbies who think they can change our world. And obviously things changed later when everybody started understanding the power of the internet. But I can't say that it was easy for a while. There was also how I was feeling towards myself. I was very uncomfortable in my body. Things have changed now in fashion and you're a little more allowed to be different. 
But at that time, it was the heyday of French Vogue, of American Vogue. And there was one type of body that was the model body that was allowed. And I know that a lot of women in fashion were struggling to keep at a certain weight. And I could never, because I've never been able to deprive myself that much. So I never was the size zero that you need to be if you want to fit in all these clothes and if you want to look cool in the photos. There were always a few photographers that understood that and that mainly look great. Scott was definitely one of them. So looking back, people say, what? But you were in photos all the time. Yes, but inside myself, it was torture. I remember one day going to the showroom of Dolce & Gabbana. They had invited me to a fashion show and they wanted to lend me some clothes. And I was happy and I was very excited, but I was also ready for what was about to happen. You have to know that in showrooms where they have clothes that they can lend you, clothes that you can borrow for an event, those clothes are usually made for the runway or they're made for the models that are going to wear them for fashion shoes. So invariably, they are a size zero. And invariably, I would not fit into them at all. I always loved Dolce & Gabbana. And there was this amazing rack of beautiful colorful, sexy, interesting, exciting dresses on the one side. And the stylist looked at me as I was entering the showroom and she was like, mm. and she pointed to me at what they called the social sizes. And it was this poor, lonely, dark rack of a few dresses where women with normal bodies could fit in. And they were all black and they were all more classic and boring and I remember the air on the stylist and maybe I projected it but I felt so much shame it was terrible I think it was reflecting all the bad things that I was feeling about myself you can see that in everything that I'm describing the main problem is not the world outside of me of course there's many ways we can criticize fashion but the main problem was me it was my insecurities it was the goals I had given myself in wanting to project that I was important. It was all the shame I was feeling for not knowing all the codes of the world I was in. It was all the discomfort that I felt in my body. All those things came from the depths of me, but definitely it also crashed against the world that was pretty strikingly codified. But it's true that I should not make the mistake of only remembering the difficult part and that I should honor and reminisce all the good things as well. It was one of the most exciting times of my life. It was certainly difficult to be a blogger, bringing a new way of doing things, of looking at the industry and of talking about it. But it was also so wonderful to be at the forefront of a world that was completely changing. There was something very exhilarating, very like, you know, when you feel a pang of complete inspiration, maybe you're at a museum and suddenly you get just caught by the beauty. It's almost like you're falling in love, right? Well, I was in that state for years. <laughs> it ended up being exhausting because you can't be exhilarated for years on end. But that was the vibe. I was completely taken. I had things to do, I had something to say. 
I was very excited about showing my way of seeing beauty, of seeing fashion, of mixing the old with the new, of breaking the patterns that magazines had created for so long that needed a shake-off. And that was something that was fantastic because people were truly receptive. And if the world of fashion took its time, and even that's debatable because all of that happened in about five years. So it actually went pretty fast. Some people have to work for years in the dark before their work becomes recognized. And the cost of it was all the things that I was talking about before. But the benefit of it was full and bridled creativity. It was having audiences that were so excited because I think that when new movements emerge, it's not just because of the artists and the creative. I think it's a need that's felt from everyone and that a few people embody it and push it forward. And there was this sense of support and this sense of cheering and this sense of love that was coming from our audience the same way as it started emerging from people in fashion. Because as much as I remember some of the people that were mean to me, I tend to forget all the people that were amazing, that were curious, that wanted to know more about what we had to say, the people who supported us. I remember French L hiring me very early in my career. I was not a professional photographer, and yet they had decided to hire me to shoot a full editorial. I mean... They just took a chance on me. And of course, this came with some nasty comments about how I wasn't a professional and even my assistant not really trusting me as a photographer, but truly I wasn't trusting myself as a photographer. But they had taken the chance and the same with Vogue later and the same with so many people who started writing stories about us, wanting to work with us. I remember this editor from Vanity Fair who I was so in love with. She was just so cool. And I still had this thing because I was young and I was impressionable where I had these people that were figures. I was like, oh my God, this woman is so wonderful. If one day she could say hello to me, I would die. And I remember crossing her in the stairs of one of these palaces in Italy. And she just stopped me for a second and she said, Keep going. What you're doing is amazing. Keep going. Oh, I loved her. I, I just needed this little moment to feel justified and to keep going. And I think she said that because she had understood how difficult all of this was. There was also, of course, the excitement over all these new editors and these new people that we were discovering and this new sense of style that was emerging a sense of style that was more real, that we found on the street. And even as we were starting to find it at the doors of fashion shows, it hadn't yet become the time where people really started dressing up to go to fashion shows, and it became a little bit crazy. No, at that time, it was just this personal, real style. And to me, that was one of the most exciting things, I have to say. Being able to have access to all these people from around the world that would bring their own sense of style, whether it was from Japan, from Europe, from South America, from all corners of the world, they would come and meet 
in those cities, whether it was New York, Paris, London. And I felt that I had access to something incredible and special. And I hope, and I think that I did at that time, reflect the sense of awe and excitement that I had at discovering this whole world. And that was powerful and it was beautiful. And Scott and Letitia are right. I should never, ever forget that. There was also obviously the magic of fashion shows. The reason why we were all there. Those are incredible. I don't even know how to describe it because it would be so easy to say, ugh, it's just women walking. What are those clothes that are unwearable and crazy expensive and that promote a lifestyle that's unsustainable and it's not for us? And what about the general public? Nobody has access to it. And so, yes, there are many things you can say about fashion shows. But the beauty of some of them was incredible. I'll never forget some of the Dries Van Noten shows. The music, the vibe, the lighting, the models, their makeup, the clothes shining in this beautiful atmosphere. And all these incredible venues I would never have had access to wouldn't be for fashion shows. I don't think I've ever cried at a fashion show. A lot of people do cry at a fashion show. But maybe today I would go and be like, wow, this is special and unique. And I should surrender to it and truly appreciate it. I didn't cry, but how many times you have so much fun, whether it was emotional or just these crazy moments when Chanel, for example, had recreated a supermarket and they had created these products to go with it that were all branded with Chanel. You could literally grab a pot of mustard with the Chanel logo or toilet paper or whatever. It was so cool and it got all the fashion crowd into a crazy hysteria and everybody was trying to steal stuff and hide them under their coats. People leaving with brooms because, you know, what's cooler than cleaning your house with a broom breaded Chanel and all the security agents trying to stop people from leaving with all this stuff. And all these moments are highly criticizable, but they're also moments that I'll never forget. There were also the Marc Jacobs show in New York. It was always the highest moment of the New York Fashion Week. And the ideas and the music and the people, there was just a sense of magic to me that was incredible. Or when Alexander Wang started and suddenly it was like a rave party. There was so much excitement. All these new people that I had never heard about. And I felt really connected to something that was happening. So those are memories that I should remind myself of and look back and be like, you were there, you experienced it, and you try to share it as much as you could with your audience. And that was really special. I also loved more simple shows like Isabelle Maron because... To me, it was like a lesson in styling. And I'll always remember that because fashion to me has always been more about dreams and ideas than it was to be a shopping guide or a way to display how much money you had or all the things you had access to. I've never been like that. And that's one of the reasons why people got drawn to my blog, I think, is that my point of view was entirely different. 
And I remember really loving shows like Isabelle Morand, like even J. Crew, that were mostly an exercise in great styling. So it wasn't so much about making you completely emotional or about impressing you with incredible technology and new dresses like the incredible Alexander McQueen shows, for example. But it was about inspiring you that you could do a lot with just what you had in your closet. And I loved that. And there were so many other shows that I could tell you about. And you don't see me now in my sweatband, but I'm literally, I'm smiling. And I'm so grateful for Scott and my sister for telling me to shut up my negative side a little bit and just dive into all the things that I loved. Before I move on from talking about the shows, there are so many, but ones that I really love were all the beautiful classic designers like Oscar de la Renta. Going to his shows was an absolute dream. You would go uptown, which I rarely went to when I was living in New York, and I love it because it's the New York of all dreams, right? The Carlisle, Central Park, the Plaza, all these things. So you would go there, and there were a lot of his clients, these older, very chic ladies were coming. And the show was almost like shows you could imagine in the 60s, with these models walking very slowly in these ravishing dresses that were here not to shock you and not to provoke you, but just to inspire you with amazing beauty and just old school elegance. I absolutely love this. It connected me to a world of fashion that I'll never know and that I always loved. The last thing I remember that I loved was getting ready for a new season. I'm one of these people that loved school and there was nothing I loved more than after a long summer at my village in Corsica, being all wild and crazy in nature, there was nothing I loved more than getting all my stuff ready for the first day of school. I would get my pencils, I would get a new bag, I would buy new clothes. There was this whole anticipation and almost this idea of, oh, who is the new person that I'm going to be? What stories am I going to tell my friends? And Fashion Week has this in many ways. Once I got a little bit more used to it and once I started having to dress up because I was getting invited to all these events and these front rows and these cocktails and all these showrooms, I knew that I was going to be looked at unlike the very beginnings of my fashion days. And as much as a part of me dreaded it, as I've explained in the beginning of this episode, a part of me just became that little girl again. And I would do some shopping and I would borrow some clothes and I would create my outfits. And I remember the first day and I was so excited to see all the new styles and the new trends that were unfolding in front of me. There was a little bit of stress, like there is always when you start your first day at school. But I think that made everything even more exciting. I think that if there is one defining emotion that could sum up how I was feeling for all these years is the sense that we truly, honestly believed in all that we were doing 
we believed in that message. We believed in the beauty that fashion was bringing to the world, the inspiration. There is something that I haven't touched on, but I think it was always the thing that was the most important to me is how actually accepting and tolerant fashion is. Because we always focus on the size zero models and the lack of diversity. But if you look at industry, you have incredible people of all races and sizes sitting there and working. Even 10, 15 years ago, before everything changed in the world and diversity became such an important topic, I could see that there were people dressing any way they wanted. You had characters like Lynn Yeager, like Andrea Leontali. You had an absolute acceptance for people's non-conforming views and looks. And if sometimes I did find these things a little bit shallow, I would say that it's a world that actually, if you came with a strong sense of self and of who you were, it was quite ready to open its doors to you and to hear what you had to say. And that is something that is often brushed off when we talk about fashion. And I'm definitely quite guilty of that. But I truly believed in what I was doing. I had this true sense of excitement at what I was bringing to my readers. And it's interesting what happened to me, and I don't think it happened to all of us, the new generation bloggers, street style photographers, whatever you want to call it, is that slowly I fell out of love. And it's like a love story that ends when the person you were so infatuated with and so into that you would do anything for him to look at you and you invest all your time and all your energy in it, so much so that you might even betray yourself. And suddenly, love goes, and you start seeing the reality of it. And you can never go back. And you look at it, and it doesn't make your heart beat. And in these moments, it would be betraying yourself again to stay. And that's what happened. But like in the love story, there is no reason to look back and trash the whole relationship. It was amazing while it was happening. It gave me so much beauty and so much wonder. It gave me a platform and an industry and a world, however dysfunctional it was. It gave me friends that I still have to these days. And it just transported me from who I used to be to who I became. There was something really beautiful and really strong in there. And as I always say, in a relationship, there are two parties. If I had started today with much more confidence in who I am, it would have been a totally different story. And it's okay. And I respect that. And I actually love that. I want to say, fashion, I really loved you. I really appreciated all the adventures we had together and all you gave me. 
and I hope that you appreciated all that I gave you and that we'll stay friends and that we will always have a place in our heart to remember all the good moments. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Talk to you next week and sending you love. Le rendez-vous is brought to you by Doré. Doré's latest launch, La Micellaire, is a botanical micellar cleansing water that doesn't require rinsing. Minimize bathroom time and maximize outdoor time with our super simple routine. Use code PODCAST10 for 10% of your first order. Thank you for listening to Le Rendez-vous. If you want to know more about me, find out about my newsletter and my community. Find me on Instagram at Garance or at my website at garance.world. And well, if you'd like to find out how to spell that crazy name, just check out the show notes. Until next time, sending you love.